0: You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope. In the name of Jesus, amen.
1: Dear saints, these, maybe a couple weeks ago, something dawned on me that should have dawned on me about 35 years ago. I, I I've thought every now and again that and I don't know if you've seen these uh, these guys that do all the stunt bike riding and things like this. And, and they have helmets on and they have little cameras on top of their helmet. And I sometimes wondered if we should equip pastors with those. Not necessarily the, the helmet, although that would maybe be handy sometime, but the camera. Because it seems like every day is such a fantastically different and varied day. At one minute you're teaching a Bible class, at another minute you're at the hospital, at another minute you're, you're talking with children, another minute you're sitting in a meeting. Uh, that, that everything is so different. But it dawned on me a couple weeks ago, one day, in one of these very different days, where one thing after another was completely skewed from the thing before it, That in everything that I was doing, in every single conversation that I was having, it always ended up in one place. Repentance. Repentance. And the thought crossed my mind as I was driving along, the thought crossed my mind this, that repentance is everything. And I've been testing that theory. This last, I was gone this, you know, the last couple days, I went over to St. Louis and and I, I was driving on Tuesday afternoon. A, a friend who works at the International Center of the Missouri Synod uh, works with the youth there and is planning the youth gathering and is trying to sort out how to do ministry to youth. And we were sitting there on the way to the seminary and we were visiting and we were talking about the difficulty of youth work and, and how, when, how when young people are leaving their you know, they're entering into adolescence and they leave their peers from, they they leave their family as their peer group and they go to their friends as their peer group and how this influences their conscience and talking about the difficult terrain of the conscience there. and, And Steve looked at me and he says, well, Brian, what's the answer to this? How do we get a good conscience? How do we teach the children then? And the answer? Repentance. I got to the seminary yesterday afternoon and I was interviewing four entirely different candidates to see if maybe one of them would be a good fit to come here as the associate. And we were talking about pastoral care and about, uh, and about all this sort of stuff. And each time, the con- you know where the conversation ended? Talking about repentance. Even before that, we were in our National Mission Board meeting talking about all the domestic work of the Synod, helping schools and refugees and how the church can speak in the public square. And all of it boiled down to repentance. We published this journal. You guys will get a copy. We put them in the basket outside. This journal around the Word for the quarterly sort of thing. And the theme is suffering. There's 21 different articles in there. And you know what all the articles are about, one way or another? They're about repentance. Everything is repentance. I was sitting in the back of the airplane last night. I was reading the Apology of the Augsburg Confession, Article Twenty Four. I, I, I was switching between that and the Sky Mall magazine. <laughs> well, I was reading Apology to the Augsburg Confession, Article Twenty Four about the Mass, and it says the purpose of worship, the purpose of us being here in this place, is that we would have faith and godly fear. Do you know what that is? Repentance. And then these texts before us. Joel chapter 2, the beginning of Joel chapter 2, God says to the people of Israel that He's going to send the armies from the north and they're going to come swarming into Jerusalem like a, like a huge swarm of ants. They're going to come up the wall and in the windows and under the doors and they are going to swarm the people and destroy them and devour them and everything that they possess. That they're, that they're just gonna be wiped off the face of the earth and the, earth, and the Lord is gonna destroy them. But you know what the solution is? You know what the Lord tells the people to do? Not to build a stronger army, to heighten their walls, not to, not to go train more soldiers or to go running for Egypt for help. You know what the Lord says? He says, repent! And I'll be kind. Or 2 Peter chapter 1, which talks about how we live godly lives. How by the promises that God gives us, the divine nature, we we become partakers of the Lord's divine nature. And you know how we do that? By trust in His Word. By humbly receiving His gifts. By repentance. And then Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 6. He tells us about fasting. And he tells us about prayer. And he tells us about sin and humility and his promises. Jesus is preaching repentance. Everything is repentance. Everything in the church is repentance. Everything in your Christian life is repentance. Everything that has to do with your sanctification is repentance. The work of the Holy Spirit is repentance. The goal of the Scriptures is repentance. Everything is repentance. So we better at least know what it means. Repentance then has two parts. The first part of repentance is contrition. Or terror. You and everybody has a conscience that tells you that you've done something wrong. But this is not yet terror. To know that you've sinned or that you've been sinned against or that to to see sin, to know that and to feel that, that's a troubled conscience. But it's not yet a terrified conscience. There's a difference. You can go and ask the unbeliever if they've done something wrong. And you know what they say? Oh, yeah, I've made mistakes. I've made my fair few mistakes along the way. Are you a sinner? Oh, yes, I'm a sinner. I've done wrong. I've broken the law. But then you ask, does it matter? And the unbeliever has to say, no. What does God think about your sin? And the unbeliever says, huh? (laughs) You see, a troubled conscience is not a terrified conscience because while a troubled conscience can know that it's done something wrong, a troubled conscience doesn't know what it deserves because of that wrong. So the law comes in and tells us what we deserve. It, It puts our sin in contrast with God's holiness. It puts our failure in contrast with the light that is God. It puts our death in contrast with God's life, so that when we see our sin, we know what we deserve. Hell. When we see our sin in light of God's holiness, we know that we deserve to be abandoned by Him. We know that the flames that burn forever, that were prepared for the demons, and the complete abandonment of our souls and bodies to that horror, is what we deserve. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit through the law. You shall have no other gods before me, says God. We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things, but we don't. We're we're, we're scared of everything else but God. And we love just about everything else but God. And our idols, the things that we trust in place of God, we could write books with our idols. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. We should call upon Him in every trouble. Pray, praise, and give thanks. But we pray as an absolute last resort. When we run out of all our other ideas, we think, well, I guess I'll pray. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will answer you, says the Lord. Don't be anxious about anything, but in all things, through prayer and supplication, make your requests be made known to God. But we worry, and we fret, and we wonder, and we grow ulcers. We hold it all in instead of praying. And the Lord is serious about this stuff. I mean, He wrote these things down with His own hand, in stone. She does not intend for us to take these lightly. Remember the Sabbath day to take uh, to keep it holy. Should fear and love God so we don't despise preaching and his word. But, but gladly hear and learn it. Rejoice in the Lord's word. Solomon says that we should treasure the Lord's word more than gold and silver and rubies, but I suspect if we put a basket of rubies up here and a basket of Bibles, that we'd have Bibles to give away next week. <laughs> and I'm not sure that we delight in the Lord's Word. I suspect that we think that we're, that we're doing God a favor or the preacher a favor when we listen to him preach. <laughs> Instead of hungering and thirsting for His Word like we ought to, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And honor your father and mother. We fear and love God so we do not despise our parents and other authorities. But we chafe under authority. We're bitter because God has put us under authority. We 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 rebel against authority. We are rebellious. And we don't even think anything of it. You shall not murder. The Lord gives life. Jesus says, if you're angry with your brother in your heart, then you've murdered him. And yet we walk around with, with hearts full of bitterness and full of anger. And we don't even, and we don't even feel bad about it. We, we say that people that have wronged us have no right to our love. We, we, we choke them out because, because they've done us wrong. And we walk around with this anger and bitterness And we don't even realize that we're murderers and that when we we murder our neighbor and we're angry against our neighbor, that we are the same to God. You shall not commit adultery. Jesus will hit us with this one between the eyes as well. He says if a man would lust after a woman, he commits adultery with her in his heart. I heard President Harrison preaching about the sixth commandment, and he said something like this: If, if our sixth commandment sins were known, none of us would be willing to show our faces in public. You shall not steal. The Lord would set us to to serve our neighbor and help our neighbor protect and increase their property and possessions, and yet we walk around with greed, we're never content, we always want more. (laughs) You shall not bear false witness. The Lord would have our mouths be full of words that build up and that edify, words of love for one another caring for one another, words of compassion, words that bring life, not not death. And yet we run around and we gossip and we talk behind people's backs and we look for ways to put the worst construction on everything and we believe lies. We delight in hearing bad news and passing it on. Pastors are the worst at this. The Lord wants to protect our reputation, and we're constantly figuring out ways to destroy each other's reputation. And you shall not covet. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, your neighbor's workers, your neighbor's possessions. You should be content. You should be happy with what the Lord has given you. But you're not. I'm not. Always striving for more. Always thinking that satisfaction is right around the corner instead of realizing that it is right here. We are idolatrous, blaspheming, despisers of God's Word, rebellious, murderous, adulterous, thieves, thieves. and for that you deserve, for that I deserve hell. For us, the only thing that's right is hell. And to know that, and to feel that, is contrition. The first part of repentance. But dear saints, repentance has two parts. And the second part is faith. The second part of repentance is Jesus, who took on your flesh not so he can come and pal around with you, but so that he can die for you. Jesus, who did, who among All the people ever born from Adam and Eve was the only one never to break one of God's commandments. He was the only one to perfectly keep them. His obedience was spot on. So that he was the only person, he is the only person who does not deserve to die. He is the only person who does not deserve to suffer. He is the only person that deserves to go to heaven and stand before the face of the Father forever. The only one who ought to partake of the joys of everlasting life. The only one. And yet Jesus comes to bear your sin. All of it. Every single one of them whatever it is that's rattling around in your conscience now, that sin too. Jesus came to bear your iniquity. Jesus came to to take the wrath that you deserve because of your sin. He came to suffer that in your place so that you wouldn't have to. So that His body nailed to the cross hangs in your place and his agony in the 3 hours of darkness is yours and his blood which flows from his hands and his feet and his side that is yours but he puts his in your place so that he can so that he can have you you've got sin ask jesus I'll take it. (laughs) You've got God's wrath deserved? I'll suffer it. You've got a death sentence? I'll take it. And give you life. Because he's got holiness for you and righteousness for you and forgiveness for you in fact in fact everything that jesus has done in his life and in his death on the cross all of his bleeding and dying all of his suffering all of his passion everything jesus packages up and he brings it straight to you in these words I forgive you your sins. So that everything that Jesus did, everything that Jesus has, everything that Jesus is, is delivered to you in that simple promise. I forgive you all your sins, all of them. There's not one thing left to suffer. There's not one thing that you have that would cause God to frown. There's not one thing that you've done or that you're doing or that you will do that will separate you from His love. He's taken it all and given you everything so that when you hear that your sins are forgiven, you have the kingdom. And you have His will and His word and His promise and His life and His spirit and His joy and His peace and His smile and His holiness and righteousness and perfection. You have His heaven and His, and his resurrection and everything that belongs to Jesus. You have it in that promise. Your sins are forgiven. And that's the second part of repentance. Faith. Faith. Faith in the gospel. Trust in his word. The certainty that God, who cannot lie, has told the truth when he says he loves you. Dear saints, I think it's true that repentance is everything. And that sounds all right to me. (laughs) If God can cause his own son to die for you, how will he not also together with him give you all things? And this is our comfort. And this is our peace. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.